Hi, it's Beth. Thanks for being here today. This episode is an interview with Jana. In 2018, Jana's mom died from an injury after being hit by a foul ball at an LA Dodgers baseball game. It really is an incredible story and helped Jana find her voice. You can find all of the items Jana mentions in the show notes. I'm starting an online book club tonight, September 14th. We'll be studying The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown, and we'll be meeting on Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The book study will last for five weeks. I'd love for you to join us. The registration link is in the show notes. If you have a topic that you'd enjoy hearing on the podcast, please let me know. Send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com. And now, Jana's story. Hi, this is Beth. Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad that you're here. And today I have with me Jana. Uh, Jana and I met almost a year ago in the online coaching program that I did last fall. Um, And so we are still part of a Facebook group that people are able to share their information there and things. And she saw my request for a daughter without a mom to share their story. And she reached out to me and said that she would be willing to share her story. And this is a one of a kind story. I believe that we're, I mean, everyone's is one of a kind, but this is definitely um, has a little bit of a twist to it that you're going to get to hear about when Jana tells about tells us about her story and then um, how it has impacted her as she continues to learn uh, how to be a daughter without a mom. So I'm going to turn it over to Jana. She's going to introduce herself. She's going to tell us about her mom's story. And then you know how it works. At the end, I'll be back and I'll ask some questions. And then Jana can share all the ways that we can find her and the, the work that she's doing. So thanks for being here today, Jana. I really appreciate it. Hi, Beth. Thank you. I appreciate you because this is a meaningful topic and it's a pretty heavy, you know, line of work that you've chosen for your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I do believe that, you know, it's healing and people have a story to tell. And it's like I was mentioning to you, it's finding your voice through this, this outlet. And um, you shared that a lot of the people shared their stories for the very first time on your podcast, which is truly, you know, beautiful and, 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 and such a special gift that you're giving people. Um, Unfortunately, my story has been shared many, many times because um, I've chose to share it with the media, which is kind of an interesting thing. And uh, maybe through your empowerment, this will get me back on track for finishing my my memoir or my book but I'll just dive right in that I am a daughter without a mother and it, this is actually interesting timing it's three years this week pretty much that we had our funeral and um, so it, it comes up right around you know this time of year is pretty tough but we're moving forward and um, I do believe with the tragedy that happened a lot of good came out of it. And even through my mom's life, I believe it was, you know, her time. So it's kind of crazy and mysterious and all that. So my mom, Linda Goldblum, uh, was hit by a baseball, a foul ball at Dodger Stadium on uh, August 25th, three years ago. And pretty much never woke up, you know, after she was at the hospital. 
And so she died of major brain hemorrhaging, uh, you know, bleeding of the brain that kept going and going. And it was caused by this blunt trajectory of a ball that came um, above the netting um, and hit her like, a, like a, a shot, like a bullet out of a gun, it came so fast. So um, it was shocking. <laughs> it was actually my 25th wedding anniversary the same day. <laughs> And I was at a party and uh, came home late and got a call from my sister, you know, past midnight. Uh, guess what? Mom went to the Dodger game and didn't come home. Um, she's at USC Memorial. She has you know, bleeding in the brain and they're doing emergency surgery. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just woke, I just got back from a party. I'm celebrating my anniversary. I was, my head was not going in that mode so I was a little bit in shock she, and I'm in Santa Barbara so I was at least two hours away from the hospital and um, she is about an hour away from the hospital in Simi Valley and she did not go she wasn't at the hospital she was calling from home so she said no there's nothing we can do it's late at night and the surgery is happening and you know let's figure out a plan for the morning so I was again kind of at a loss and kind of confused and um, not quite sure what happened until the morning, but I did wake up terribly sick. I was like, had a migraine and I never get migraines very often. Um, so obviously I didn't sleep. I was, you know, feeling good and I had to like, you know, get out of my fetal position in bed and get myself into a car somehow. And I, it was a Sunday, so I told everybody, you know, I'm just going to go and I'll keep you posted. Um, and again, I have three kids at home. I have my husband at home. And um, I just decided to go by myself. So I, you know, went straight to the hospital and I went straight to ICU. And there was my dad and my aunt and my um you know, the, whoever close family was there at the moment and uh, could only go in one person at a time, you know, the whole ICU thing. So I don't need to get into all that, but um, the, the interesting things about it, and then, I mean, just to end the story, she, so she pretty much never woke up and um, three or four days later, it, the swelling was not stopping. And so we're like, this is it. You know, we, we looked at a directive and her directive was, yes, do no, do nothing if there's nothing. She was, you know, you couldn't fix it. So um, we did, we, we were able to gather here in Southern California, her brother, her only brother, her husband, her, her three kids and her seven grandchildren all were local enough to come to, to her end. So that was amazing. I learned what a palliative nurse was. I never experienced that before. And she said, this is the time to gather and we will take, you know, your directive says you'll be taking her off the life support. So we did it in a, in a, very quickly, we could organize these people. And it was a blessing because my husband's family would never be able to do that in a five hour notice. They're all in four different states. They're all got sheets to the wind. My family, for some reason, <laughs> in California, my oldest niece, who is the closest to my mom, she was a bubby. She was the grandma. Um, 
well, she was five hours away. So she was the furthest and um, amazing, amazing that we could all gather. So we did, and it was a you know, quiet and beautiful ending. And we had a rabbi come and we sat in a circle around her bed and it was beautiful closure. So that being said, we had to process this whole shocking situation. And um, again, I, I'm just going to go through a few more details that um, because it was a blunt head trauma, she had to go to the coroner's office. We're like, wait, what? In Jewish tradition, you bury as fast as you can. You start the grieving process right away. 24, 48 hours is long. So you just, whatever day of the week, you call, you, you have a funeral. So we were, we were told she's in line for the coroner in LA County, and there's a long line. <laughs> like, what the heck? Jewish tradition, we, we got to get a get going on this. You know, we have a, a specific grieving process. And it needs to start so we can get, you know, and no, we had to wait. So we were in this kind of limbo phase. Do we go to work? Do we go back to school? Do we, it was weird because usually you don't, you bury and then you, you know, you do your thing. So it was very odd and there was no closure at that moment. So we kept calling the hospital. Okay, is today the day? Should she get to the corner? Can we get, what was needed was the death certificate to be able to call the uh, funeral home to take her body. Without the death certificate, nothing could happen and the funeral home's hands were tied. And that was kind of mysterious too because they kept holding a date and then they'd release the date and then they'd hold the date and release the date. So your friends and family are calling and we're, it was about nine, 10 days. And I don't know other religions that might be normal, but for us, it was excruciating. And we were heading right now, this time of year is the high holidays for the Jewish tradition. So it's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And we were watching the calendar knowing that as soon as those days hit, you can't mourn anymore anyway. Like you, that takes precedence, the Jewish New Year and you gotta start fresh. So we're like, and we have um, uh, uh, the mourning processes after the funeral, you, you sit Shiva for seven days. So you have family and friends and you come and you gather and you stories in her name and you say the memorial prayer and then after seven days you go back to work and you, you start the next 30 days of your grieving and then it's a whole year of grieving and then at the end of the year you place the headstone on the on this grave and you're released from grief and you're supposed to move forward in your life in positive memory so we do have like I said a specific you know way to grieve and it's helpful because otherwise many people would not recover so we couldn't even start this long process. <laughs> so um, it was tricky. It was very, very tricky. And and thankfully, it was obvious. It was blunt head trauma caused by a ball. I mean, it says that. And it says location on the death certificate at Dodger Stadium. So there was no, 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 you know, my dad, you know, like who knows what they were looking for. <laughs> but that, that was a lawful thing. Very, mis you know, law a lawful thing in a, a lab death. So again, then we, you know, we started our grieving process and it was, it was something. It was everybody I tell this, you know, story to was shocked. It was kind of the, you know, kind of a, it became kind of a, a rote thing, you know, oh, your mom passed away. I didn't know that. Or I'm sorry to hear that. She wasn't even sick, you know, kind of a thing. And they're like, uh, well, she got hit by a ball at the Dodge Stadium and she died. And, the, and people's face just fall because they're like, 
American pastime, the you know, Dodgers are elated. They're the most amazing people. Happened to be the same year that they're going to the World Series. So it was like in my face, Dodgers everywhere, Dodger flags, Dodgers on the news, Dodgers here. I'm like, ew, enough with this, you know? And it was, it was a tough, tough time. And um, to make, to show you the, the, you know, before I get into the, you know, the, the, the next piece, I do want to say, and I, I, you know, it's public knowledge. It, it, I believe it was meant to be. I think that my mom was on a, a you know, she was on a, a little bit of decline. She was in a little bit of depression. She, um, you know, was starting to, you know, be 79 and have some memory loss and, you know, things like that. She wasn't herself and she wasn't even, you know, getting out as much as she should and she you know she was just just not herself and so this was something because my parents had blocks of tickets so it wasn't like just one game a year that they go my dad had like every 10th game for 10 years they would go and they would sit in the same seats and they would go with the same friends and they would have the best time and my mom loved it so she went you know and actually another beautiful thing about the story is august is her like most popular months. It's her birthday, it's her wedding anniversary, it's my anniversary. It's, um, she had a lot of celebrating in August, prior to August 25th. So it was like, she went out with a bang, like we have photos of her from a week before at a fancy restaurant, all dressed up, celebrating her anniversary, her birthday. She went to a baby shower, she saw all her cousins. It was pretty amazing for that. So my dad has these, my dad even has a photo of her at the game. So we have a photo of her and um, sitting there in her Dodger blue. It was really crazy. So the, getting back to the crazy pieces. So having these, these tickets, having um, best friends to go with to these tickets, these best friends were like in their wedding 50 years prior. I mean, like my dad's friend from UCLA, like this whole... Just a beautiful friendship. So they actually called my dad in the night before and said, you know what? My wife's not feeling so good. Sissy's having a migraine herself. You know, we're, we're not going to go. Why don't you invite someone else to the game? So my dad said, oh, okay. And invited his brother and his wife. So my brother's wife, I mean, my uncle, my aunt, you know, they love Dodgers. They're Dodger Blue too, but they don't go to every game. They barely go. They got to go to this game. They were there for this event. So to me, that was meant to be too. They were there, they sat directly behind them and the ball actually bounced off my mom and into my uncle's stomach, it was hit that hard. They were there when um, to drive my dad's car to the hospital. My dad rode in the ambulance. It's like, I'm sure his best friends would have helped as well, but to have your brother and your sister-in-law in the hospital at midnight for brain surgery, I mean, that's pretty special. So all of these little things were meant to be, I think. He was there for that one game, my uncle. So crazy. And um, that was, you know, to have someone process that through for my father is not a very emotional or ther therapy guy. You know, he could talk through it with his brother and sister Juan. We could all be there. They were the witness. Like it was just this camaraderie thing that was unheard of. So that piece was pretty special too, that they were able to be there, you know. Um, and that gave us, 
you know, comfort too, knowing that my dad was comforted. And um, again, the picture is of my mom in an empty seat because my dad was taking the picture and my aunt and uncle behind. So it was the last picture of her we, that we have. So crazy, crazy. So little things like that really helped us, you know, grieve and get through it, knowing that she, um, she had a fabulous celebration in August and then she went. So even, you know, she was never one to say, you know, oh, I'm going to hang in there for the long haul. She's like, please let us, you know, I, I wish for everyone to go quickly. I wish for no pain, no suffering. And um, even with her, you know, starting memory loss and things like that, she saw other friends who were declining with dementia and things like that. Oh my God, I, you know, I could never handle that. And I could never, you know, let that happen to your father. Let him take care of me. That would be the worst thing. So. It was like God's way of taking her very quickly at a point in her life where, you know, she felt, you know, I don't know, okay with it, you know, whatever, but we, you know, still, she's only 79. So that was a little tough. And my dad is, you know, six years older. So that was a little rough. Anyways, we'll get through the grieving. We get through this, this horrific kind of story. And I was mentioning to you that, that people would always ask me, you know, what happened? And every time I would get the same reaction, oh my God, what? You know, this is nutty. I've never heard such a thing. This is awful and horrible. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Of all the people, 40,000 people in the stadium, the ball found my mom. I mean, and my dad is an athlete. My dad is a coach. You know, he's not like a wimpy guy. He, it's not a ball you could have caught. You know, that's the thing. It, it, it was a shot. It was happened to be the largest man on the field. My dad actually said to his brother, oh my gosh, look at this player on the Padres. He is like 250 pounds. He looks like a football player. And he's, you know, a baseball player. And sure enough, the power of his, the power of the pitches coming 90 miles an hour, the power of this 250 pound baseball player whacking that ball foul was um, just like I said, a bullet from a gun, so strong. So when the stories came out and when the, um, you know, okay. So then sometimes people would say that, you know, she should have ducked or she could, maybe she was drinking or looking at her phone or maybe there was some, you know, she's eating a hot dog. Now my mom had a flip phone at this point of her life. She was not technology, you know, savvy. And the flip phone was in the car. It wasn't even at the game. So she was paying attention she, as much as you can at a game. You know, like it wasn't a ball that could be caught. And that's my dad sticks. It bounced off and hit my uncle. Like it wasn't like a lob. It wasn't a home run shot that could slowly make an arc and fall into the stands and you could catch nothing like that. So we... You know, six months later, I'm brewing with this story, and I'm like, this just seems odd. Like, has this ever happened before? Or what's going on? You know, there there seems to be, you know, something amiss. So I just start googling, finding my voice. Like I said, and um, I, I I'm just like, I'm gonna Google foul balls and injuries and see what happens. So a ton pop up. There's a lot of foul balls with injuries, and that's what um. What we're finding out and the cameras <clears throat> the cameras do not follow these balls a lot of the time especially the my mom was behind home plate so the camera goes right back to the pitcher goes right back to the um 
to the players. So it, nobody even knew what happened, you know, to my mom. There was no, you know, that was the mysterious piece. Dodgers Stadium, Dodgers did not really, you know, do much. You know, my uh, my brother-in-law, uh, he was actually a fiance at the time. So my sister's boyfriend did call Dodger Stadium, right? When she was in the hospital, he was like a little bit um, removed from the story because obviously it's his mother-in-law to be. So he wasn't, and he wasn't Jewish. He was like a little out of the, the pain circle. So he's called Dodger Stadium and he said, you know, is there anything you can do? You know, can you make an acknowledgement? Can you say, are, this woman has been going to games for 20 years. She's a fan. You know, you're one of your fans got hit by a ball and never recovered. You know, can you just say a rest in peace, Linda Goldblum, something for the family, you know, whatever. So that was, now it was a little hush hush. It was a little, we didn't really know about those conversations until later. So, but nothing really came of it. Um, again, so six months later, I'm Googling and I finally found an article by the amazing Willie Weinbaum, ASBN. He was telling a story in March of that same year. Hey, congratulations to MLB for raising the nets, for extending the nets, excuse me, not raising it, extending the nets. This is a new thing. There's been a lot of injuries. And um, they, they extended the nets a little bit to pass the dugout. Congrat good job. So I'm reading this article and it's talking about the numbers of injuries, like 1300 injuries per year. That's like every 10th every game around the nation, like someone's getting hurt by a bell ball. So that was a big number for me. My eyes went, wow. Then there was a sentence that said, Alan Fish was um, died at Dodger Stadium, you know, uh, 40 years ago or 30 years ago. Again, my, I'll have to check my thing, my brain. When I tell this story, my numbers aren't so right on. But anyway, a, a, a teenage boy got hit Dodger Stadium, Manny Moda, he died, you know. And so I was like, oh, reading this article, and they're like, seven, you know, all these injuries happen, only one death has happened. So the first thing in my head was like, nah, five months after this article was written, my mom just died. I'm going to call this, I'm going to write this guy. So I just give him a one-liner. Read your article. How do I change the statistic from one person dying? Now there's two. My mom passed away in August. A daughter said, you know, I just, I'd like to change that statistic in your article. You know, that was kind of my thought. People need to know, not just one person 30 years ago died. My mom just died and nobody knows. So he wrote me back in an instant. <laughs> he says, I'm on a cruise with my wife. I can't really talk, but whoa, is this a true story? What's going on? Let's talk next week when I come back, you know? And he held my hand through this whole thing, this amazing journalist. And I know journalists um, don't always get a, a good um, you know, reputation on following stories. Maybe they're paid by the Dodgers, maybe they're not. But this guy was from New York in ESPN and he took my story and he was patient with my story. He happened to be a nice Jewish guy too. He's like, I will wait to publish this story until your family's ready. I will wait until you, you have contacted Dodgers or whatever you need me to do. I will, I believe that this is a, a story that needs to be in the media, but I also know it's heartbreaking and I, I'm not going to do it until you give me the thumbs up. So that was like the most amazing thing. 
so we we you know we ended up having um a discussion with the dodgers um and this is another piece of the puzzle that i just have to share i know i'm going kind of long but can we okay but <laughs> so i was at my my sister and this fiance that i mentioned had already planned a secret wedding so at, you know when my mom passed away that's what popped into her head it was for the end of september a month later Jewish grieving you don't really have weddings or parties right away you know so she's like do i go on with this wedding it's a secret wedding like no one even knows she has these wine parties every year and this wine party she's having catered and she's bringing her she's telling people don't bring snacks don't bring appetizers i'm gonna supply the food that's all she pretty much said and but she was planning on doing a pop-up small wedding very sweet so she's like you know this story came out after am i going to do the wedding am i not going to do it so anyway she said my mom would want me to do this wedding. she was dating the guy for nine years and they were living together and it was silly so she goes it, and it wasn't like a big temple wedding it was in their backyard a surprise we we're all showing up for this wine party and then they're going to change their clothes and have a, a ceremony so it was very beautiful who do I sit next to at this pop-up wine party is um, one of her good friends who's a lawyer. And he said to me, you know, there's something, you know, maybe the Dodgers need to be contacted legally. You know, this is a pretty harsh thing and we need to find out, you know, if there's, if this is, you know, uh, something that could be, you know, something is amiss here, you know, this is, if you trip at a, at a hospital, if you trip at a market, the market usually helps you out with your medical bills, you know? So it turns out on the back of the ticket, very teeny writing, it says, enter at your own risk. And then there's a really big writing, buy a hot dog, $1 off. So it's like this, this, this warning is teeny, it's called the baseball rule. And it's been in effect since the twenties. And it covers any liability, anything happening at Dodger Stadium, enter at your own risk. So uh, this baseball law is famous and it says, you know, the, the lawyer said it's probably a long shot because this law is very protective, but maybe you should reach out. And guess what? I have the perfect lawyer for you. A colleague of mine who's a lawyer was friends with Alan Fish, the high the in junior high when the boy died from the, the ball game hit. And he will take your case as uh, on consignment or whatever the word is. I'm an artist, so I say on consignment, but on contingent. You know, he knows that you'll probably not happen. There probably nothing will happen, but he wants, he has a personal connection to your mom's death through the loss of his friend from high, junior high school. We're like, what? This is meant to be too. What are the odds of this one guy from went to high school with Alan Fish and he remembers this traumatic story and he wants to, you know, again at Dodger Stadium, you know, two deaths at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers need to know. They need to at least be aware. They need to acknowledge somehow. In you know, something is, you know, we weren't really looking for the millions of dollars because we knew that that really wouldn't happen because of that baseball law. But we would like something nice to happen. Can't you just put a, a plaque on the chair in memory of Linda Goldblum? Something, something that would acknowledge you know, this fan and this crazy story. Because even my dad, who's a, a, 
a sports coach who's a wrestling coach. He doesn't blame the sport. He doesn't blame the player that hit the ball. He doesn't, he just, you know, things happen. But, you know, going back to the article about the extension of the nets, those nets were not extended far enough. They weren't doing enough. So maybe this, this fan safety thing needs to be looked at. And maybe the Dodgers acknowledging would bring a voice to this. So long story short, the Dodgers were very nice. We did meet with them. It, you know, it was, it, I can't talk about it, but it was just, you know, a nicety kind of thing. And um, that after that meeting, then I could release the story with the Willie Weinblum and the ESPN story. So in January of, you know, of that year, so she died three years ago. So it was in August, that January, we released the story and it was shocking, you know, headline, you know, woman died of baseball ball at Dodger Stadium, you know, grandmother celebrating her birthday and anniversary. It was like, you know, heartfelt story, you know, longtime fan, you know, this because of, of a foul ball. So I became, for some reason, again, I live the furthest from, from Dodger Stadium. I live the furthest from my dad. I, my other brother and sister live closer. I'm the contact. So uh, my phone just lights up. I just get a million texts, a million calls from having used my voice to tell this story to this one reporter. So now a hundred reporters are calling me. They are very nice. They all say, sorry for your loss. Can I interview you? <laughs> <laughs> sorry for your loss can I interview you can you sorry for your loss can you tell your story and I got good at it because it was you know I started saying the same thing and I don't know how good I'm doing here Beth but it's been three years and I haven't really said it that often but in that mode I had everybody from you know the New York Times the Washington Post the, the LA Times interestingly enough was the least interested in the story so um, I got a little bottom article on that one, but the internet blew up. I have people from all over the world calling me and posting online stories. And um, the photo that my dad took became like the poster picture that, you know, her and her Dodger blue and my uncle, that was the last, um, you know, that photo was just became famous and it was kind of going viral. So I felt really good about it, getting the story out. Like, I'm like, wow, this is something, you know? And basically it wasn't just the story that a poor lady died. No, this was about the nets. Now it went above the net and she, you know, it was, she was just beyond the net. Um, and then people were start talking about the nets. Maybe the nets, if it was 10 feet higher, could have prevented this. Maybe the nets that are, were mandated to go to the dugout should now go to the foul poles. It, it turns out a lot of stuff came out, a lot of injuries were happening. Then people were getting injured and the cameras were catching it. There was a couple that were line drives to the foul line. A two-year-old baby got hit. The player knelt to the floor. He threw his back. He could not even play anymore. It was the camera caught it, the fans caught it, the player caught it, and it was traumatic. And we were like, oh, you know, this is what it takes to make people take note that these balls are coming at extraordinary, you know, velocities and you cannot duck, you cannot be moved from it. Um, 
And so stories like this of the players becoming aware, the players were now saying, oh my God, this is why I've never, when my parents get tickets, we don't allow them to sit in those lines, those sidelines. We tell our parents, nope, you're getting sitting behind the net and another. So like these stories are coming out that the players know that these are dangerous areas and they don't even let their own families sit there. And we're like, whoa, you know, so, and the guy was heartbroken and all these things. And then another person's getting hit in another stadium and another person, you know, so they, the story started becoming more of a um, issue and then reporters were getting the stories. So the, the, they then, it kept happening. so then it was all about um, the netting, you know, we're like, can't we get, I had a t-shirt made hashtag race the nets. So for me, it was making the nets higher. You know, I wanted the behind the dugouts to be higher and I wanted them, we wanted them to go all the way to the foul poles because that's where the shots go. You know, the, the home run territory is a little bit less because the trajectory is known that the ball loses velocity and it comes down in a, in a lob and you can catch it or you can get out of it. You could watch it come. These other line drives, no way. So again, you know, uh, I hate to say this, but I actually became part of a Facebook group for injured players. You know, there's a thing, disgusting. And these people could tell their stories in a peaceful place and share their venting and their heartache and their, um, their pain and suffering every day. These people have eye losses. They have brain trauma. They have every day they're dealing with this and every day they're paying out of pocket because of the baseball rule that the, the teams are not viable. They're not liable. So my mom, God forbid, it was, she ended, it was, it was, there was no daily suffering. There was no hospital bills ongoing. So, but it was traumatic because she has no life. So it was like this really painful place to be, but we all decided, you know, let's tell these stories more let's get the nets raised let's get the nets extended um it just wasn't enough what they did in march obviously and now all this time later a lot of pressure um you know a lot of letters being written a lot of stories being told a lot more injuries happening the dot you know the base mlb has decided to extend the nets to all the way to the foul poles now whether they committed or did it is a different story. A lot of um, Dodger Stadium did do it and they did raise their net behind the backstop. So they heard my story and they, they took action. Um, and again, I'm not big on statistics and I'm not good at all that, but it's a commitment that they either have done it or they haven't done it yet, but they're going to do it. And it's really nutty because I had a guy on my side um, um, that is from New Jersey and he's doing his own campaign on the um, foul ball safety now is his his story. And he, he, he Googled it. He's like, I will pay the, what, it was some nominal fee, like, I don't know, I want to say $30,000 and it would take maybe five days to, to do the net. It was some nominal number. And he's like, I'll do it for my beloved Yankees. I don't want any more babies being hurt. And the, and the Yankees didn't take them up on it. They, you know, did their own thing or whatever. But it was like, not a big deal. Just raise the nets. Just extend the net. Dodge, I've been lucky enough to go to a ball game in Japan. They have 360 degrees of net. They have people blowing whistles. They have, you know, alert. They have, like, 
safety measures, crazy safety measures that if a ball gets hit and it's coming your way, the, the, the usher's blowing a whistle, be careful, here comes the ball, you know, or just making people aware of the danger. So we were like, you know, things are happening. And once Dodger Stadium happened, my dad was pretty satisfied and he's now 88. Okay. So the last, he was 85 when it happened and he's still telling the story. He went on national TV and he went on the morning shows and we've, me too. I've been on many, um, many news shows and many, you know, like when the story broke, we, we were inundated, but I'm glad to hear that all these other people getting interviewed, the stories are breaking and so that things are happening. So I feel really good about that. And this foul ball safety now is now shifted to minor league stadiums. Those stadiums are the same exact players, the same exact players, big, huge, same exact pitchers. The, the stadiums are teenier and there's no netting. And then more people are getting hurt at minor leagues stadiums because a lot of the people in the Facebook group were about got hurt at minor league baseball so that's our next piece is um MLB recognized the big parks now they got to recognize the small parks my high school my my neighborhood high school where my kids go raised put up a netting they, they at the same time I don't know they, the balls were going into the, the pool but the high school so people are seeing that that the necessity, the game has changed since the 1920s and the balls have gotten harder, the bats have gotten stronger, the pitchers have gotten bigger, the players have gotten stronger. So this baseball rule, this netting issue, you know, it needs to be changed. And thankfully, 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 things are changing. And I feel really good about it. And I feel a little bit odd that it took a grieving daughter of a mother to call ESPN. Like the popcorn guy didn't call, the Dodgers, nobody else called. Like that witnessed it, that saw it, the hospital didn't call. It took my brother-in-law to call the Dodgers and it took me to call the, the, the news. So my you know takeaway, Beth, is that you need to find the silver lining. You need to tell your story. You, you never know what's going to happen. I was just saying, you know what? The statistic needs to be changed. <laughs> that was my thing at the moment I'm like not one person 30 years ago died but my mom died you know six months ago and this lawyer who was affected by his teenage friend getting hit by the ball took our case I mean all these weird stories my uncle got to be at the game to be there for my dad like all these little pieces really helped us through and I believe you know there's a reason to this madness and I feel like a, a, a legacy, a positive thing has come in my mom's name, um, you know, and, and she did not die in vain. She, you know, this awful story has been told for a reason and people are becoming more aware. So um, I personally still go, I well, I don't go that often, but my son is this, a huge He's a sports journalist kid and he's all about baseball and he wants to go to the games. So we Google it and we find the tickets. You can do this now. You can find the tickets location for your seat. And yeah, you could do it anywhere you go. So we purposely Google, we want to sit behind the net. You know, that's what you need to do just for just protect yourself. And you can still enjoy the game. It's like a seatbelt. You put the seatbelt on. And you forget it's there. The net, after five minutes, your eyeballs adjust. You don't see the net anymore. 
you know, it, there's so many crazy people out there that wanted to, to tell me something else. I'm like, no, the netting is for your safety. It's not to ruin the game for you. If you want to take your chance and sit in another spot, go ahead, but I'm going to buy my ticket behind me. So it's about awareness, about safety. And if you're going to bring your two-year-old to the game, go behind the net. You know, that's what I'm trying to tell people. And by them extending the nets, there's more opportunity for better seats. And da, da, da. So crazy story, you know, and again, three years in the making. And I, I do feel like it's an interesting story. So I'm, I'm writing it down and it's harder than I thought. So <laughs> take longer. But I do feel like if I do get this story written in a book form, then I can go on the sports podcast and the sports podcast people will hear my story again and share the book. So I think the awareness will go. So the power podcasts that are so amazing. And I've been told that, and I too have a podcast with my daughter. And so again, I encourage people to tell the story on the show and to, again, find your voice um, and, and find the meaning behind it. Maybe it's just, you know, to tell your story and, and to feel the release and feel the, the, the peace within yourself is enough. But there's always going to be a deeper message. And again, my mom, bless her heart, died in a tra tragic way. And you could Google it, you know, Linda Goldblum and a hundred million um, interviews will pop up from every newspaper, from every state, in every country. And I feel proud that it was because of me, that the grieving daughter, I'm the third, I'm the youngest of my brother and sister. I'm like, this, I'm just gonna, you know, talk to ESPN. So again, a shit storm happened and all of this and positive things happened. The nets got raised, the nets got extended, there's commitments and less people are getting hurt. There's still some crazy things. Um, and I just feel good about that. So thank you for letting me yes. share that. And I. Kind of went a little bit long. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was great. Uh, uh, I mean, it's good, good information. And what a, what a, like full circle kind of, you know, story that you said from the tragedy to the the positive legacy um, that you're, you know, that the tragedy had uh, for for everyone in our whole country, not just for you know your little neck of the woods. It's, if it, the whole MLB has decided to expand the nets, I mean, that's amazing. And yeah. thank and and hallelujah that they're targeting the the minor leagues yet next. Well, we're working that. on that. Yeah, targeting. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. All the things about the changes, about the you know, faster pitches and the bigger um, uh, people at up to bat and all those things that have changed since the 1920s. So really, really interesting, Jana. Wow. And I did Google it while you were talking and at least 45 things came up, but luckily you're the Weinberg guys came up first. So that will, that's the one that I'll share in the podcast notes. If you guys are interested in looking um, to that story, since he was the original guy, that's the one that we'll link in the podcast notes and this beautiful picture of your mom in her Dodgers blue. Yeah, that's a great picture. We'll share that oh, one too. If that's you. okay. That'll be the one that we'll share with the podcast. Um, I did just have one question. Um, did the Dodgers ever do anything um, specifically to honor your mom, like in the stadium or like you said, you know, maybe a plaque on the chair no, or anything? No, they did not. Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, policy or something that they have on yeah. that. But... They, yeah, they, they, 
that's the you know, and I I think it's on the hush hush. You know what yeah. these oh, things are. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the best, you know, that's not the, what they call it, the Chamber of Car Commerce forecast. That's not, yeah, that's not the kind of, yeah, publicity you, that you Beth, want. I, I'm like a positive thinker. It's like, at one point I thought they could have used it as a positive PR piece. Yeah. They could have. They could have mm -hmm. spun it like this lifelong um, fan, you know, we're going to honor her. I'm sorry yeah. this happened. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. you know, we're protect, yeah. you know, we, you know, and, and I thought that was odd that they chose not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the hashtag raise the nets. Um, for those of you that are listening, we'll put all of this information in the show notes. Now, I do want to give you a little time to plug your own, your, your um, business that you have now and that you're doing that you said it's kind of connected to the part of finding your voice through this journey. Well, Tell us about you, what Beth. you're doing. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm an artist. I've done how to pivot during this crazy COVID times. And so I um, do online virtual paint parties so I can bring people across time zones and borders. And that's something I found, you know, even with the working with the press, you can talk to anyone in the world. And I can talk to you, Beth, right now. I'm in California and you're in the East Coast. So I've been bringing people together in this art form and it's called Painted Affirmations. So find your voice in 15 words or less and get it on a canvas. And I walk you through it and it's pretty empowering. So um, I've been doing that through paintjamusa.com. And um, again, it's a, it's a way to share either a thought, a song lyric that's moved you, a mantra, maybe a prayer, or maybe just a, a joke, you know, something to keep you laughing, to hang on your wall. And it's not something that I buy at Ross that says happy life. It, I do it in a creative way. You can see it behind me. It's kind of like a stained glass and it's hard to read. And it's, it's just um, a very empowering way to make art. And I believe that everyone's an artist and everyone has a story to tell. And we're, it's letters. Everyone's handwriting is different. Everyone's color scheme is different. So anybody could create this type of painted affirmation. And so, again, I do feel like my mom inspired me to find my voice and to um, help other people find their voices. So yeah. thank you. Awesome. For that. Sure. That's so good. We'll put that in the show notes too, so that people put your, um, like your Instagram handle and the uh, website and everything in the show notes as well. So, well, listen, we may have to have you back for an update if uh, anything happens in the minor leagues or anything like that. But I really, really appreciate you being here today and um, sharing your story. Thank you so much, Beth. I think this is a beautiful um, opportunity you're giving people to share your stories. Because, mm -hmm. again, everybody's is traumatic in their own way. Mine Absolutely. just happened to be popular published in the newspaper <laughs> yeah yeah well it's a blessing to be on the receiving ends of these stories so thanks again if you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey please visit my website www.yourgriefjourney.com if you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.